We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up the Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1 where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome to Light Years. Uh, if you are checking out our feed, I hope you enjoyed the episode of TE1 we put in there. Um, I think the Niner fans have enjoyed it. I listened to the Kittle episode today. Andy, you listened to it? Yeah, it's it, it cheers me up because there's nothing that is good in Niner's world right now. Sam, I'm glad you didn't bring it up. I'm glad you just brought up George Kittle on the podcast. Um, it was incredible. So, Yeah, I mean... My the thing that stood out to me was just like how passionate and just how much Kittle, just how much he wanted to geek out about talking about his sport the whole way through, and it was it was a great listen. Which just reminds me of we're recording this right after the Laker Nuggets game, and is there anything better than honest sports? That was like one of my favorite games in a long time. Uh, George Kittle has that like energy, right? He has that like Gronk style energy where you love watching the game as much as he loves playing the game and he's always smiling. And that's rare, I think, in, in a lot of sports. Because a lot of the times you even watch a lot of these teams. I mean, like last year of the Warriors, Sam, it felt like they didn't love basketball. No, <laughs> it, felt felt like, like, it felt like they were clocking in and ready for the next thing. 
Um, Not like us going to work, you know, yeah. <laughs> clocking in for a paycheck. But with that said, um, obviously we're in the playoffs right now. And I just, you know, we were all disappointed the Clippers lost because yep. we were kind of hyped about that LA series. But honestly, even if this Laker Nuggets series only goes five games, this has been such more compelling basketball than anything I saw from the Clippers or yes. the Rockets all year. This is, you know, this is not a podcast that will heap praise on the Lakers, <laughs> um, but at least they play honest basketball. And Denver just reminds me in many ways of a young warrior team where you're like, I don't know how good they are, but I nope. know these guys got talent and I know they play the game hard and they're, they're honest. If they lose, it's not because of some sort of weird, I only take step backs and cry for fouls. Oh, see, I love that point. I love the point about the Warriors, that mentality, right? Because they, in that second game, in a game two, it reminded me a lot of the Warriors where they're down every time the Lakers hit a big shot, right? Or they go up by eight or they go up by 10. Everybody's all like, well, it's over. It's over. It's a sweep. But you watch Jeremy Grant, you watch Gary Harris, you watch Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and you watch these guys, they just keep playing. Like, no excuses. They're not bitching all day long. I mean, those were like the old Warriors, right? You're talking about like right, 15, yeah. 14, 15. These guys I was, I was going to go up. back to the 13, 14, yeah. Even like when Steph first blew up um, and Draymond and these guys. And that mentality, we did not see with the Rockets and Clippers, man. Like, if we see the clip, like, can you imagine what a Clippers-Lakers series would look like? Just the amount of, like, unnecessary drama and bitching and moaning and all that. So it is refreshing. It is refreshing. The last two games have been incredible. Yeah, and I will say all four teams left play with a, a level of purity and honesty that's enjoyable. Like we we joke about honest hoops, but like it is it's a hard thing to define, but it is an intangible quality. You can tell when guys are actually playing the game because they want to play it as opposed to it's a paycheck or they're trying to stick to some sort of Ponzi scheme to just rack up fouls or whatever it may be. Yeah. When, when they're, when they're, I, I also, the, the Nuggets ball movement does remind me of the Warriors too. I do love that they swing, they swing, they swing. And sometimes you're like, Oh my goodness. Why is Monty Moore shooting a 12 foot jump shot, but he makes it. And you're almost like, Oh, okay. So this is similar to really what the Warriors have done where they do rely on their role players making shots. Right. And, and they rely on them making shots in a way where you're like, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it works. Outside it doesn't it does empower the entire roster. There is, I mean, that's kind of the Jokic effect for Denver. We would call it the Steph effect for the Warriors. But like when your best player is unselfish and really is kind of a team guy, you get that. Um, on the flip side, I will say I don't want to praise the, the Lakers, but like their ability to turn up the intensity on defense there was impressive at the end. They couldn't make shots. Like, they looked like, um, I guess what my skepticisms would say about them, where they're like, they're a very fundamentally sound team, but if you need shot making, it's not always their their bag right there. Like, I mean, their best shot maker is LeBron, and he's, would you define LeBron as an outside shooter? Not really, right? <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh... There's a lot of KCP and Rajon Rondo that needs to make shots on that team, Alex Caruso. But that defense was incredible. They Denver I mean, did, Denver Denver had a hard time yeah. getting a shot off for about five minutes there in the fourth quarter, and just 
I can't decide what was more impressive. The Lakers just turning it up and making a 20 point lead disappear or Denver not getting shook and just sticking to it. And then Jamal Murray going full Steph Curry at the end. Yeah, the the uh, the not getting shook part. I tweeted that they were shook in game two. Just so wrong. I don't know what I was doing. Why Why would you say that after watching what they did against the Clippers, where they were down double digits in game five, six, and seven, and then come back, and then you're watching the end of this game, and it's the same thing. They just they – just, I love Jamal Murray. You love Nikola Jokic. I love Nikola Jokic. Is there, is there a combo in the NBA that's – like, you can't say that Kawhi and PG, while they're more talented, are tougher than these two guys. Like, are there and, – and here's the thing, right? You don't think of guys like Jamal Murray or guys like Nikola Jokic as mentally tough guys. That not in, not, that's not ever been the case, right, in the NBA. I can't no, think they of don't, They don't hit like the, um, they don't, the stereotype of, of mentally tough, but I will say this about them. They, um, they speak to the value of versatility. Because the one thing I noticed about Jokic is like, okay, he got, I don't want to say shook by the Lakers in the first couple of game, in the first mm. game, but he was overwhelmed by their length. And then he just adjusted because he is a highly skilled big man. He can play inside, he can play outside, he can pass, he can shoot. You want him to hit the mid-range shot, he can do that. Hit threes, he can do that post-up, he can do that too. And Jamal Murray for a guard is also very similar where it's like, okay, if you're going to crowd me on the three, I'll just I'll take the 15-footer. And if you're going to give me the three, I'll make it two. And he'll just take whatever they get. And having that versatility means they can play calm. They're like, they can, you know, it might take them a half a game or a full game to figure out where the holes in the Laker defense are. But they have the skill to take advantage of those. And I think that's something that's different than like, let's just you're say saying, the Houston Rockets. Yeah who are like, we're trying to play the math, play the math, play the math. And then, you know, the Lakers are like, okay, they're not going to take the shot, so we're just going to overload them in these ways, and that's that. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Grant, by the way, also one of the f- – I, I don't know whether what he does is what he wants to do or not, but it is one of the most – he's like um, – He's like Michael Porter Jr., where I think MPG has no idea what he's doing out there, and I don't necessarily enjoy watching him play basketball. But Jeremy Grant, I don't know if he knows what he's doing, but it's incredibly enjoyable because he just goes so hard on both sides of the floor. And that's what you – like. those are playoff players that I think the Warriors miss uh, or should be looking for uh, when, they are, when they're looking to boost the roster. Guys that play hard on both sides of the ball. Um, of course, like you're always going to love that, right? But it's – I think people fall in love with the MPJ types, and I think he's unplayable right now. But again, he's also like five years old. But I think that just those are the type of players that I don't enjoy in MPJ versus the type of players in Jeremy Grant where you'll probably be like, yeah, he's not as talented, but he's a better playoff player. Yeah, I mean, I will say there's like a seven-year age gap there. So <laughs> right. that that's part of it. But um, with that said, we can start getting into this from a warrior angle here. I just want to say like, you know, I would not be surprised if the Lakers win in five. But Denver's proven everything I need to see from them. Are they a complete team that can win a title right now? Nah, probably not. But they have players I could see winning a title. And I don't think they're going away. They strike me as a team who... They really do remind me of the Warriors in like 13, 14, where you're like, okay, you know, you, you feel like you can win with Steph. 
you see the good in clay and you're like, they need to, you know, maybe David Lee's not the right guy, right? Like they're, they're trying to figure out the pieces in the Warriors case. Draymond came out of nowhere to be that perfect piece to tie together. When I look at Denver, I see like, I think you could win a title with Murray and Jokic. Is it as easy to build around as like LeBron? Of course not because LeBron doesn't have weaknesses the way Jokic does, but it's about them finding those little pieces that amplify everything and take it over the top, right? Yeah, so that, that's what that's what Draymond Green's strength is. I don't think he brings a lottery team to the playoffs, but he makes your playoff team a championship team. Like, that's Draymond Green. That's what he did for the Warriors. So let's look back. Uh, let's look back because I'm watching Jamal Murray, and he's making these this crazy like 30 footer over Anthony Davis. He shoots it, doesn't even follow through. It goes in. And I'm just, I have, I have just wild Steph images in my head. And then I think (laughs) it was a pure Steph shot. A pure Steph. It just, it falls from the sky and it just goes straight in. And it's like a rhythm shot. He's, he's, you know, made a couple shots, a heat check. And it reminds me, ironically in that series against, against the Denver Nuggets in 2013, I want to say I was still in college. Yeah. Um, where he shoots over Ty Lawson, like Ty Lawson is a like. I mean, what's like Ty, Ty Lawson's Lawson, a five shooting nine. rack. Yeah, yeah, like he's five nine or whatever he is. And, and I think that was that was when the Warriors went from like this cute, like everybody loves the Warriors. Um, right now, everybody loves the Nuggets. Into oh shit, like they may they might be a championship team. So I'm with you, right? They'll lose this series. They won't win. Just like the Warriors lost to the Spurs, they won't win because they're not good enough. But you start they, have to more, they have more holes. Like, the end of the day, the Lakers just have less holes than them, right? Yeah. But you – but there's – but they're – like you said, if they if Michael Porter Jr. becomes that two-way guy then, then they're a championship team. Like, I mean, Michael, Michael, like Michael, Porter, Michael, Porter, Michael Porter Jr. is ridiculously talented. So but yeah, talented. Like, they, so they're, talented. they're looking for guys like Draymond and Godala and those, those type of players hard, that though. just bring it together. And they are hard to find. And let's pull this in. This ties us to our first conversation here. So I was having a conversation with friend of the show, Domin Rangula. Um, and this was before game three. He just, he texts me. How do you think the Lakers match up with, or sorry, how do you think the Warriors would match up with this Lakers team? And let's start there, but I, I'm, I'm legitimately curious, like, Let's talk about how the Warriors match up with any of these final four teams. Because which Warriors? The Warriors that we have going forward. No one it's like ah. obviously the 2017 Warriors are better than all of I was teams. looking at this like, wait, what? But, okay. But okay. what we're talking about is going into 2021, the four teams remaining here, plus, I don't know, maybe the Clippers if they retool a little bit and maybe someone else, that's who the Warriors are gonna have to beat to win a title next year. Like, I don't think the Lakers are going anywhere. I think they'll probably get better in the margins next year. They'll, you know how it goes when you're a title team, a vet's willing willing to take a discount to come, right? What's the context with the Warriors then? What's their, what's the, so what do they do? Just pick up average players at every position is what you're saying? I think my question for you is look at the roster right now. And what do you want to put around this team to, make them compete with the Lakers, honestly. Like we should we we should be honestly looking at what we want the Warriors to do in the summer, assuming the big trade doesn't happen. Like obviously priority A is get Giannis. Priority B is get Giannis. Priority three is get Giannis. Maybe priority four would be like, all right, Embiid or Simmons are cool too. 
But like, you know what I'm saying? Um, let's assume none of that stuff comes to fruition. Do you think the Warriors can put together a team that can compete with them with Steph, Dre, and Clay as the core? Uh, I mean, short answer, yes. Long answer is what type of players are you looking to to put around them? I think if you're gonna say how to beat them in one season, then I wouldn't I wouldn't try to pick up players with upside that involve risk. So, for example, would not care about Kelly Oubre, even though he's a talented piece. Rather have someone like Rudy Gay, where you can play him and for sure have him be there, there's uh, a, certain a type of vet. Right. Yep. I would go that route because I think that watching these teams, that the Warriors are not far off from beating any of these teams. Can they beat them? Maybe, maybe not. But I don't think that you need to swing for the fences for guys in order to beat these teams. I think you can, and maybe you want that. Maybe you think Ubre can lead, you know, can be a third best player three years from now. Maybe that's why you take a chance on someone like him. But if you want to beat these teams, Sam, I don't see any of these teams being that much better than the Warriors where they can't just pick up, pick up three vets and be fine beating them. Marcus Gasol and, and Gay. So, to, so and to, me, to me, the question is what vets? Because do I, think a team, do I think a team built around Steph, Clay, and Dre can win the title, can beat the Lakers, can beat the Celtics, can beat the Nuggets, Heat? Yes. But it comes down to a question of the margins for me. Because it's not 2015 or it's not 2017 either, where you not only do you have that core, but like you have like prime Iguodala and Bogut or prime mm-hmm. Kevin Durant or something like that. So it really comes down to do they get the right pieces around them? And I'm watching this, I'm watching the Lakers and also honestly the Nuggets and Celtics and Heat. And the thing that sticks out to me is the Warriors need. To, they need more size, they need more length, and they need more athleticism. And how they get that will determine how competitive they'll be because we know Steph's always going to be a cheat code on offense, but you need the right piece around him to make it work. And then defensively, okay, Draymond can quarterback an elite defense, but if it's Draymond, Clay, Steph, and then like, I don't know, a couple vet minimum guys who are not that good, that mobile, it's not going to be good enough to get it done. Like we saw, even saw that in the finals with like McKinney, Quinn Cook, um, I, a, a banged up boogie, all I, that stuff. I, I just, I feel like it, it's close, but you need to, it, it's about hitting the right pieces in the margin. It's not about getting superstars, it's about getting the right pieces. Yeah. I mean, always when you get them, it's great. But I think people have kind of pushed back on, you know, me always tweeting about Embiid and Giannis to say, you don't think the war, like people ask me, like, you don't think the Warriors can just win with the guys they have? And I'm like, well, yeah, but if you can get fucking superstars, you get them. Now I push back a little bit, Sam, on the, the type of guys you need. I think, yeah, you always want athleticism and versatility and all of that. Like, I think that you always want that, but I think the problem, I think the issue is, I think the Warriors are still fine regardless of who they get because they lost. You look at last year, they lost to the Raptors and they beat the Rockets. The Raptors, to me, were a team that they probably beat any team in the bubble of the season. Like, you look at that Raptors team. Yeah, you, you keep going you know, on that team, and it's, yeah. it's a wrap for everyone. It's a wrap, and the Warriors took them to six. And candidly, I mean, like, honestly, if Clay doesn't get hurt, that thing's going to seven. Do they win? I don't know. doesn't matter. didn't happen. But that thing got went seven with Alfonso McKinney playing minutes. And, and that tells me that 
yeah, you want those things, but give me Rudy Gay. Like, and I, and I think he'll be fine. But then again, they had Iguodala, right? They had Iguodala. Yeah, I was going to say, Sean Iguodala Livingston was a, a show. big piece there. Yeah, Iguodala was incredible. So they do need to figure out, maybe they do need someone better. The guys are like almost two years older now, right? Like, they think was so so my, big, my big point would be um, Clay's off of an ACL tear. And um, Draymond is older. So it's not that I... Like they're 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 yeah. fully yeah. in Spurs mode as far as I'm concerned. Where it's like I don't think they're gonna lose the intellectual battle. Like teams aren't gonna outsmart them. This isn't 2015 where like the they Spurs. play the Spurs right. or some of those teams are like, oh, those guys just execute at a more at a higher level than them because they're more veteran. They're now that team. They're the veteran team. And it's a matter of if you look at it from the Spurs perspective, if you think they're the New Spurs, those Spurs found a young Kawhi. Yeah, yeah. Beyond a young Kawhi, Tiago Splitter was young and athletic. Yeah. Danny Green was young and athletic. Like, they had guys around them whose role was a set. They essentially filled a role. Like, Tim Duncan was the brain of the team. Tony Parker and Manu were also the brain of the team. They just had guys around them to make up for the fact that, like, you know, at 37 – you're not expecting Duncan and Manu right. to cover the ground that they used to cover. Well, you know, I do think I do think that there's we do make a little too much of the age stuff where these guys played five finals in a row. They can't the next time that they play in the finals or the Western Conference finals, they can't be more tired now than they are True. after five years. And, and that's where it's like and th- these guys aren't 35 too. Um, now Draymond, that's probably who I'm going to be concerned about. I mean, same with you. It's like, does Draymond have well, those legs? Because his role requires more physicality. Like for all the clay off an ACL. Tear, oh, are you defending pro- Draymond? Oh, no, but no, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's a like, good pod. okay, Clay's gonna, um, you know, he might be slow laterally for a while, like until he gets his legs back. Mm-hmm. But the role doesn't require banging with Rudy Gobert every night, banging with Marcus All, banging with. Uh, Pau Gasol, is he still in the league? No, <laughs> I mean, like, even like Hassan Whiteside, like, that dude's just big, right? Like, all that stuff, like, those are responsibilities that, you know, if you don't bring the right guys around Draymond, he's going to wear his body out trying to bang with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think they have enough leg there. Now, my question to you is, do you think, well, first of all, we're, we're assuming that they want to use a trade of player exception, which... You know, maybe maybe they don't want to, but Ooh. yeah, yeah, which is disgusting. But what can you do? We don't run the Warriors now. So, are you saying that you would rather pick up a, a youngish player, let's say an Aaron Gordon? Right, you would rather have like that kind of upside, athleticism, wing, has some talent, just that ideal player versus a vet. Like, who would you rather have for next season? I think they need both. Honestly, I think that's the basis of the question. Yeah. All right. I mean, okay. My bigger thing, actually, honestly, I'm less concerned about young versus vet than I am about. Well, I don't know if you can have both. Like, I don't know if they can. I want them both. to. I want them to get bigger. Honestly, that's my big thing. I'm looking at Eric Pascal, and he's smaller than Draymond. I think Pascal will be better next year for the Warriors. I think he could be a potential six man of the year candidate if everything breaks right for him because he can yeah. really score yeah. the ball. And his defense can improve, and he can play a lot of roles. But the reality is when the Warriors went small ball in the past, Harrison Barnes was a lot bigger than him. 
Kevin Durant was significantly bigger than him. He's not big enough. If Wiggins is still on the team next year, which he may not be, but if Wiggins is still around, Wiggins is not as physical as Iguodala. Let's be real. Like, these are things they have to make up for. So, like, yeah. Like, is someone like Marcus Gasol the ideal fit to answer athleticism? No. But Marcus Gasol is a legit seven feet tall, and he is still a good rim protector, despite what people thought they saw in the bubble in the playoffs. You know what's funny? I didn't think Marcus Gasol played as bad as people were saying. He just could not hit a shot, which was really weird. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't shoot. Um, I thought he was fine on defense. I thought he was terrible on offense, which is ironic but whatever that's what happens when you lose too much weight what is this Wiggins stuff so so i think we've been hitting at it a little bit the last couple podcasts the, the 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 thing with the warriors right now i think is uh you you saw the stuff in the art uh, in the athletic where they're taking out a loan um in order to finance the next season or maybe finance whatever it is that they need to it does seem like they are trying to uh cut salary and there's nobody that you're going to cut outside of the big three. So that only leaves Andrew Wiggins at the four that, that they're going to look to cut. So I don't know what they're going to do with that, man, but it's, it doesn't seem like that's going to be a move that makes them better. That's for sure. If they're looking to cut someone. Like yeah. Andrew it's not even that if Wiggins on the team next year, it's also um, if they're going to make any sort of radical roster additions, it's probably going to involve trading Wiggins. Like they're okay. Steph's not getting traded. Clay's only getting traded if it involves getting someone like Giannis, in which case I, it's not that you want to trade Clay, but that's one of those things like, all right, if that happens, we'll talk about it when it happens. Right. Um, and I don't think there's really a market for Draymond. Honestly, I think Draymond's value to the Warriors is too high or just like the gap between what no, he no, means to is, the Warriors it, is higher than what it means to other teams. Yeah. So, I'm not saying they'll trade Wiggins because a lot it's not like other teams are dying to pay a salary, but if they are to make like a a move which involves like adding multiple bodies to the team, Wiggins is the obvious piece to trade. Maybe you get two salaries and cut instead of one. Um and that's kind of the only reason I bring it up. But even if we go back to my original the original question, Wiggins is skinny. Wiggins will help them with athleticism on the perimeter, but he's not solving anything interior, right? Yeah. Like yeah. your best case of the Wiggins is he's the new guy to guard the quick guards and clay kind of switches to the more physical wings. I guess you want to say. Yeah. Um, all right. I will, we'll get, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there just to say, we've been talking a lot about the way the warriors can uh, light years, everyone by outspending them. I don't know if that's going to be the case. All right, I'm going to do a few reads, and then let's go to some questions and some next topics. All right, indeed, even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You had to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. 
like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half hours more likely to re- result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to p- boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best available offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Always wanted to say that. All right, one more. Bet online. The wait is finally over. We're two weeks in uh, to fantasy football or just to football. You might not be at a game this year, but you may be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, man. Um, let's move into this. We got some questions here. We're going to start with this one from this at this week's movie. I like this question. As a Warriors fan rooting against LeBron, <laughs> who should I be pulling for, Boston or Miami? Ooh. So basically, who do you think has a higher chance of beating the Lakers if the Lakers make it to the NBA Finals? I'm going to let you take it first. I have my yeah, thoughts. Yeah, I would like to watch Miami in the NBA Finals. I think that the Boston Celtics are a better matchup for them. Why is that? I I don't. So Bam is kind of the perfect guy for Anthony Davis, right? Like, is there like kind of anybody? He's, he's certainly better than Daniel Thais. Daniel Thais, yeah. Okay, the problem is the Lakers defense is legitimate. I think you can get away with chunking up defenses pretty much what like, like the Nuggets are doing to, to slow down the Lakers a little bit. They can't shoot. You can kind of slow them down. You can kind of mess around. I don't think that the Heat can score. Uh, against the Lakers defense. I think oh, that you Tyler have, Hero slander. I know. I know. But I think <laughs> you have enough off the dribble creativity with Jason Tatum, even Gordon Hayward, even Kemba, especially in a close game down the wire. Like Kemba, as much as I don't like him, can create his own shot. I don't know you if you have. Wait, like you, don't like Butler, Kemba, you don't like Kemba? Yeah, he's kind of. Uh, uh, he's kind of like, I don't know. He's a. Uh, he, wasn't that good in college. He's really good now, but I just don't like the way he plays that much. But anyway, he they've got guys, right, that can get their own shot all over the place. Um, True. Miami really has Jimmy Butler going, like, head down, straight to the rim, trying to draw a foul. And then, like, 38-year-old Goran Dragic. I mean, he's what is he, like, 34, actually? But, like, that's a lot relying on guys where I don't, I don't know if I'm relying on Goran Dragic. I think I'd much, much rather have Kemba Walker. So I think, Sam, that the Boston Celtics are the better matchup. So just to summarize, your argument is you think Boston can junk it up as a team defensively and the advantage they have on offense, which I agree with you. They can do more things offensively than Miami. Like they just have more guys who can create their own shot. That's your, that's your fundamental theory. And, and pray that Robert Williams becomes Draymond Green overnight. You know, that's, that, that's, that's, <laughs> I actually, my I, I actually do love Grant Williams. I wanted the Warriors to draft him. They ended up with Pascal, uh, who I'm happy with. Um, but I don't think I, I, Grant Williams strikes me as a guy who in two to three years, everyone's going to be like, why didn't he go in the top 10? But 
it's not two to three years from now. Grant so. Williams. I said Robert Williams. Yeah, it meant to say Grant Williams. I mean, well, yeah, bo- nice. both of them apply to be honest, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but in different ways. Um, I'm going to go with Miami because I think Bam matters. I think I'd rather have the guy. And just to be clear, Laker fans, let me know every day that AD averaged 30 on Bam in November last year. Um, very important to know that he just destroyed him after Thanksgiving when Bam just had like a, two pounds of turkey oh and half the roster wasn't there. Um, I think the combo of Jimmy Iguodala, Iguodala has not been. Yeah, I like this one. Yeah, particularly good. But I'm gonna bank on Finals Iguodala until he proves me wrong. You know, right. you know what I mean. Right. Uh, Jay Crowder is also another good body you can throw at them. It's not like. Boston doesn't have the similar with Tatum, Brown, Smart, and that and that whole situation. I get your but point, I, but I do think Miami can do just a little bit more. And I, I kind of, I, maybe I'm too married to the narrative, but I would love to see Eric Spolster get that shot because Spolster knows LeBron better than anyone, and you know he he can't like stop LeBron from being LeBron. But like, if you, if you want to talk about junking it up, no one's better at junking it up and finding little margins than a coach like Eric Spolstra. Yeah. I mean, the narrative would be in it just off the charts in, incredible. Just think of it from a, a fact that LeBron, one of the reasons he left Miami or didn't even like being there in the first place was having to listen to Spo. Right. And then Spo and Pat Riley saying like, we don't care. This, this is the way we do things, bro. Yeah. Hey, and, and and I mean, honestly, it's worked. It's worked for Miami. And, and I think LeBron hasn't had a coach that good since. So, yeah, that, that's good. I think I, I missed that point. The the Andre Godala, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, that combo of wings does have the ability to make these 85, 83 games in the NBA Finals. Like, this is the, uh, what year would it be? The 1990s? 90, we're going back to 98, bro. Yeah, <laughs> 98 when I was seven years old, right? Like 80, 88, <laughs> 83, like type type of games. I think they could get it that way. I, I like, you're right. Andre Iguodala is and always will be the perfect guy to guard LeBron. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's right there too. Um, because Andre Iguodala doesn't have to worry about scoring. All he does is just just mess with LeBron. Um, Bam out of bile. Perfect. By Jimmy the way, Butler. shout out, shout out Brad Stevens for putting Enos Cantor on uh, Iguodala. One thing um, Jay Crowder said, who Jay Crowder loves to talk. He said, if they do that, we're prepared for it now. And I heard that quote. I'm like, all right. So Spolster told you guys to just go straight into a dribble handoff, right? That's like, like, I don't know why it took you guys a game to figure that one out, but whatever. <laughs> didn't you have this stat? What's Jay Crowder shooting in the bubble from three? Didn't, didn't you, didn't Jay you have Crowder, that one? Um, as of last game, Jay Crowder was taking 8.5 threes. And Ooh. shooting over forty percent, uh, which is Clay Thompson. Which is Clay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the other part of which makes me timid about Miami is like, I think Jamal Murray can still shoot like this. I think Tyler Hero can shoot like this, but guys like Jay Crowder, I don't know, man. I've kind of seen a thousand of your games. I don't think you randomly took a step. You know, <laughs> there there is a, also a level if you want to talk about intangible stuff. There, I think there's actually at thirty nine percent now on eight point seven a game. But I mean, whatever. same thing, Jesus, the guy is shooting nine threes a game is is insane. Um, the I bubbles, mean, the if bubble if is different. 
but it's also like if you're guarding Miami, you're you're not you're trying to not let Bam dunk. They are you're, you're trying you're trying to d- deny Jimmy. You're trying to not let Hero and Dragic get shots, and obviously Duncan Robinson. You're definitely not trying to let him get shots. So someone's got to get those shots, and Jay Crowder will take them. <laughs> he will take them. He will. He will take them, and he'll probably be on the Warriors next season. That's what's going to happen, and, and we're going to hate it and love it at the same time. Just watching him, it's you can tell like a, a fan base watching Jay Crowder. You can tell how quickly people can can hate the guy and love the guy just the way that he plays. I think. I think there is a, um, I think, you know, you play against LeBron, there's always that little piece of like, you don't want to be little brother by him, right? Like the Toronto Raptors. I mean, I watch even Paul Millsap. You remember those Atlanta Hawks, right? And it just looks like out there that Paul Millsap is just getting, he's just petrified of LeBron. It's like he spent his career getting punked by the guy. And I don't think the Celtics and Heat have those type of players, but I also think Heat have the type of players where they're not going to let that happen ever. Like Jimmy Butler. Right, Jimmy Butler is like that perfect guy. Um, I guess the Celtics have Jimmy's, Mark Smart Jimmy's kind of, like but... a ten out of ten in bubble likability right now with his little small business. Just the American dream. Just start a start a coffee shop in the bubble. He, Jimmy's Jimmy's trying to intimidate everyone, being like, "I could stay here all day. I don't need to talk to women for five years. I'm fine, man." Like that's Jimmy Butler. <laughs> He is, he is, has been the best, uh, he's not been the best player, but he has been the best character uh, in the NBA. Also, also now I live for the last five minutes of every Heat game because right. you can just see, you can just see Jimmy Butler like get up and start to like, I don't know what he does, but that steal that he made uh, in game two was just. It's like a DB, uh, man. It's like, it's like you're watching football. Like he's just coming. It's like Marcus Peters coming out of the corner to just pick you off. Um, it's, it's like Cam Chancellor coming, yeah, just coming out people. I mean, he's a fucking ball hawk. Come on. Yeah, he is. He is. He did. He takes chances. Wow. Um, uh, all right, let's move on to the next I'm question. Ju- I'm just saying like Marcus Peters, I can just see Jimmy getting exposed by trying to gamble too hard. But anyway, um, all right, we'll move this forward. I sent you a link here. So pull the link up. As I get the questions ready, this is me trying to stall so you know what to, how to answer. Okay, we got two versions of this question. Um, so from SSJ2 George, who would be your favorite guard that the Warriors could realistically acquire in free agency if we draft a wing? And from I am Godsley, should the Warriors consider Clay as a three going forward and try to find a player who can play point guard? Um, to the second point, I think Clay's a wing. He could play the two and the three. And I think the older he gets, the more he's going to play the three. So that does give you some freedom. I would like them to sign another big wing, but they also can just sign another small wing um, or just like a combo guard to allow Clay. Like they can, they can find players. Let's go through the last period. They had Livingston and Iguodala. Iguodala is a bigger wing. Livingston's a backcourt player. He just happened to be big. But they can go either way with it, in my opinion. And yeah, I think I, they kind of need both. I, I think so. I mean, the, the Warriors are going to try to bring – I mean, this year defensively, a lot of teams kind of punted the switch, right? They, they kind of reverted back to what was uh, – Well, you was, have to have the players to switch. That's the thing. And I think the Warriors are, yeah, I mean, like, like the Denver Nuggets, right? Are you switching with Nikola Jokic out there? I think that's right, probably yeah, exactly. a bad idea. I think the Warriors are going to have that ability or are, or at least going to try to get there. And I mean, it's kind of impossible if, if, 
And so I think that doesn't matter as much. Now, two and three, Clay, I don't think that matters, like whether he plays the two or three, because nah, presumably, presumably Wiggins is there. The thing that I like seeing the last few years, though, Sam, like I, I like seeing that Clay was able to play the four a lot, or at least guard guys that were like playing like a small ball four kind right, of. Right, right. Like he held his own where he like didn't start on those guys, but like, you can see like Clay could guard someone like Kevin Love. Clay could guard someone. So I have some, I have like some names. I have some names for you. Kent Bazemore. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be a warrior, right? So, all right. How do you feel about him? What what, what would he address? They'll probably think of him as a Sean Livingston role. I think a little bit longer guard. Um, he's a better yeah, shooter I mean, than he's, Livingston. He's, 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 six shooter. Five, he's six five with a seven foot wingspan. Yeah. He can play big. Uh, do you want him guarding threes all the time? No. Are you okay with him guarding threes for ten minutes a game against yeah. backup units? Absolutely. I th- um, I think he absolutely can play. He knows the Warriors system. We know he's going to be a culture fit. He's an average shooter, but he's an amazing cutter, and he's high IQ enough to 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 move the ball. He fits what the Warriors want to do, and they do need to bring in some guys like that. The most important point with him is he's kind of off of a bad year. He might be attainable for a vet minimum, and that's nice. I mean, I think he would be just off the fact also he's Steph's boy. So he's probably going to – like Steph's best friend. Um, and so I think that's probably something that he, he'd be willing to – I think that would be a great pickup. I, I think, you know, I, when people talk about Michael Carter-Williams – Particularly for a vet minimum, that's, yeah. that's the thing with him. It's like if we're talking about low investment, like you can't do much better than that. He's yeah. going to fill a role. You need 10 bodies in a rotation. And I try – like – he's the quintessential guy. It's like, okay, if he's coming off the bench, giving you 15 to 20 a game, I'm happy. If you're asking him to be your like shutdown wing, you might not be that good. You know, I think DJ Augustine is another name. That's interesting. Okay. I think he's, he's perennially underrated. I don't know how much he plays in like a real playoff game, but he's good. Well, he is five ten. Yeah, he is 5'3", but he can shoot. He can run an offense. Like, he's sometimes the reason why the Orlando Magic can even score the basketball just because the Orlando can't run a team and they have just only bigs that can't shoot and wings that can't shoot. But Very athletic, I think though. he's he's a good – yeah, you do love you some eyes. That's, that's, that's part of the reason I like Orlando because I'm looking at them. I'm like, I just put those guys around Stephen Clay and it's Clay, perfect. Yeah. yeah. He's a good. He's probably a good backup guy. How about Chris Dunn? Uh, Chris Dunn. There's been some talk about Chris Dunn, who's a great. Defender. There are some questions here about Chris Dunn. Oh, okay. Okay. So let's talk about Chris Dunn here. Chris Dunn is going to get Marcus Smart comparisons. He's obviously not as good, but I like to think of that as a um, an idea of him. Like, there's not a lot of guards who are six three and comfortable guarding three positions, and like. The thing that I see with Chris Dunn is he's aggressive. He's he's one of those guys who turns defense into an advantage. Like, you know what I mean? With like, we just watched the Laker Nuggets game, and Rondo had like a five minute spell there where he just played defense as an advantage. Draymond Green makes defense an advantage all the time, and uh, Marcus Smart does that all the time too. That's something I see in Chris Dunn. There's not a lot of guys who can just body up a guy and kind of turn them around all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he can shoot. Oh, he Sometimes can't. he can he shoot. He absolutely Some- can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he can get to 30%, but 
like thirty point six on the career, and that feels generous. Yeah, watching him is not great, and I don't watch a lot of Chris Dunn. But when I do, um, he was a top draft pick, though. Um, he did shoot thirty five percent last year once, but went back to <laughs> went back to being the real Chris Dunn this year. Um, look, man, I think a lot of the times you look at the guys at the what the Warriors are trying to get, they're all going to have some serious flaws. I mean, there are a reason why they're they're off other teams, and especially if you're young. If, if you're if young you, and you're, you're a vet minimum out, guy you're, too, yeah. yeah. Like if you're young and people don't want you especially even shitty teams, you probably have some serious flaws. So I think a lot of it's going to be on what do you think you can put around the Warriors? And to me, Chris Dunn is a perfect guy because what does he do? Play defense. Do you want him to shoot 30%? Yes. But, or sorry, not even 30%, 35%, let's say. Do you want him to shoot 35? Yes. But you're going to have to give and take something. I think you probably want to give away a little bit of shooting because you think maybe you can play him at the two, Clay at the three, and then he can play enough defense there. Kind of like a pseudo Josh Richardson. Now I'm just, now I'm stretching it, Sam, but <laughs> like kind of like that is, that is an elite stretch. Elite I'm, not, stretch. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to acknowledge it to be honest. <laughs> so maybe they can develop them into that. Um, all right. Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not, I really we're not tried. A- I really tried. I mean, we can keep going down. Do we want to compare Baysmore to Glenn Robinson the third? I don't know. All these players are – they can fill a role for the Warriors. Uh, for you and I, I feel like we've been trying to discuss players who have a higher ceiling um, as me, opposed to getting into the margins too hard right now. Let me ask you this. What would you rather have? Would you rather have someone like Alec Burks who's a score first off the bench, or would you rather have someone like Chris Dunn who's more defensive-based? Like, who would? what would you rather have if you had a choice? Both. Okay. Um, nice. Probably, probably the defense, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd take the defense because I trust the Warriors' offense to figure it out, yep. and they have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. So I would rather them put together a goon lineup that – loses in the Western Conference Finals because they can't score enough than the team that tries to out to beat teams going 140 to 138. Yeah. Um obviously the Blazers. Obviously I would like uh something in the middle, which is better. But uh but if you're putting a, a gun to my head as as to pick one, that's it. All right, next question from um Jay Janiero. Uh, can you guys discuss the Warriors' potential fit of Chris Dunn oh. and Jeremy Grant? So we already discussed Dunn, so we won't go there. But um, they're both free agents, so TPE would be tricky unless it's a sign-and-trade. Grant says he wants to test the market. There was a piece written on Dunn. Let's get farther here. Um, so let's, let's talk, talk, let's talk, let's about talk, Grant. Let's talk yeah. Jeremy Grant. All right, th- there is no better day to talk about Jeremy Grant than today. What timing? <laughs> what time? By the way, shout out to John uh, Janelle for signing up for our Light Years Premium. By the way, for those that don't sign up and want to, um, it- it's pretty cool. Um, all right, Jeremy Grant. I, I for, so I, I full discretion. I don't want to spend a lot of time on him because I don't think he's going to be attainable. I think Denver is going to. I mean, after Denver this. doesn't. Denver doesn't have defense, and he's one of the the only guys on the roster who you describe as defense first, right? Yeah. Like he does, he does fit the bill for what I want on the Warriors, which is an athletic defender who can do just enough things on offense. Yep. Um, but I don't think he'll come in any way. Now, can we find the next Jeremy Grant? That's a better question. Yep. Can the Warriors he, find the next Jeremy Grant? He's can not we, a free agent anyway until 2021, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's gone. So he's, he probably likes it too much there. 
I don't know about that, but yeah, I mean, if you're Denver, why would you let him go? It's just an unserious move. By the way, another funny piece, um, he was an Oklahoma City Thunder. And that, I think, is the prototype of when you ask, can the Warriors develop a Jeremy Grant? The Oklahoma City Thunder, Lou Dort was the story of the Rockets and Thunder series. And they just churn out defensive wings-ish type of players that can't shoot. Jeremy Grant couldn't really shoot coming into the league and just kind of developed in that type of player. So when, when you say, I kind of want the goons, and you know, and have them figure out the offense. I think the Warriors are gonna probably take that and and use that, and probably find players that can play defense and develop a shot. Now it sounds like they can't develop any. I mean, Jordan Poole can't figure shit out. But yeah, man, I th- I think you look at that's why you talk about Patrick Williams, right? That's why you talk about some of these guys that that who's the one that can't shoot? Is it a Coral or there's another one that just like cannot shoot at all, um, but has incredible defense? A Coral, yeah. He's he's a d- disgusting shooter. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> like everyone's like, oh, he can't shoot. And like you and I both know, there's layers to bad shooting. I mean, but he does a lot of good things. Anyway, so I think that's probably what the the Warriors would probably should go for. I don't think Jeremy Grant is going anywhere. But there was a lot of Jeremy Grant talk in the beginning of the season. But those are guys that you just can't, you just don't give up. Um, All right, I like that. I, I'm moving to the next question from DJ TJ Ross two four one one. Love the content, boys. Thanks for making every other fan base still hate us, even though the Warriors haven't played in six months. You know what? This is the best question of the show. Uh, question for the mailbag. Who do you think oh, yeah. is most likely trade-down partner, and what's a realistic return for the number two pick? This is a great question. We should have got to it earlier in the show. Um, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, Do we want to? Okay. I have you, I have two, I have two answers. You want me to go? I'll I want to I want to riff off of you because I, I don't. Okay. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. All right, one I think is the Knicks. Uh huh. Um, Knicks are picking number eight, yeah. and and it's real. By the way, you're, you're not a just lot saying of, it. There's it's a real. lot of reports about them liking Lamella Ball. Yep. And the stuff that's off the record implies that too. And yep. I think. I think they're the most likely trade partner because they're willing. They also own a bazillion picks. Like the most, I guess the most unsexy pick trade for the Warriors would be like trade back and get future picks because it doesn't help you now, even though those future picks might be the pieces that help you get Ben Simmons or Giannis or um, Bradley Beal, you know, like having all those picks. But like in the short term, you're like, oh, we got a future Dallas pick. And that doesn't mean anything to us right now, right? Um, so I do think that's in play. Also, they want to get rid of Nilakina and um, Julius Randall. Julius Randall, and so I think they're desperate for a trade. the The other one I'm going to call a sleeper is Indiana. Um, it's kind of been reported that Oladipo is probably not going to sign an extension. Sam sources, shut up. And then um, beyond that. I mean, they keep wanting to sign D'Antoni. I feel like D'Antoni might want to coach Lamella Ball. So it's there's some potential there. Those are my two teams that I'm calling the most likely trade partners for the Warriors. And I that's, that's what I I'm going with. 
I agree with both. All right, so let's break it down. Um, so number one, the Knicks. I wouldn't be shocked if the Warriors already had something lined up for that trade. Lamelo, I mean, sorry, the, it, Lamelo. It's, it's, unex- it's such an unexciting like trade back six spots and get some future assets for it. You know, like yeah. nothing. It's not going to like help the Warriors in the short term, but it might help them make the move that gets them over the hump anyway. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's it's like if you're looking at Lamelo versus like you know hardcore Warrior Twitter fans love Devin Vassell, right? Like just a kind of two way wing guy. Like the Warriors aren't going to pick Vassell at two, so that works. They get to shed some salary. Um, let's see who they move for that player. They get future picks, all that. It makes sense. What's more interesting to me is Indiana. So you're saying that Oladipo being a future free agent, and then they do love Lamelo. By the way, it also seems like Toronto. What, likes what about too. what about Miles Turner too? Miles Turner might be in play. I mean, they they kind of like Sabonis more. Um, they're kind of a market that wouldn't mind cutting salary. That that's exactly it. So I was thinking more Oladipo specific, Sam. Uh, Oladipo now, I you know healthy Oladipo is is nice. Oladipo coming off that injury in the bubble was not that nice. But let's just say he's healthy. What do you think about that fit? Because he's mostly a one. Then you've got him and Steph. I think he's a two, but um. I don't hate the fit offensively because he can guard both positions. Uh, it puts a lot of pressure on Clay to guard the the big threes. Yep. Um, and he is a free agent in a year. That for me, if you think you can lock Oladipo into long term deal, you do it, even if the fit's not perfect, because. He's just significantly a better trade ship, and you can always kind of like we there think this can work, but if it doesn't work, we can move in a different direction in the future. So I think that's probably the most interesting one um, because I will I will say this though for the New York angle, if you can get future picks out of them to move up six spots, or in the Warrior case, move down six spots, um, you can easily attach one of those six picks to the TPE and get like Josh Richardson. That's, and that's that's, inter- that's it. That's our. That's interesting too. Like Josh Richardson's pretty much the perfect third wing for the Warriors, right? Yeah. You have you have Clay. You have Wiggins. Get Josh Richardson. All of a sudden, I mean, it's not as good as Clay, Katie, and Iguodala, but like I, I don't know that you're ever gonna, <laughs> uh, you know, figure out something as good as that. But it is a pretty damn. I, I just have a hard time finding a better wing trio than Clay. Wiggins and J Rich, like it's a pretty good starting point. Yeah, no, that's um, no, that makes sense. By the way, a lot of these questions we've been answered. A lot of TPE and MLE and all these type of questions. Whatever, so, we will talk about what the people want whenever we want. Whenever they I want. like this one though, the next one, okay. the, the Rudy Gay for the TPE. All right, read the, read the question. All right, so question by Steve O. So he has a he has a question. He's saying. Traded player exception for Rudy Gay, mid-level exception for Tristan Thompson, Glenn Robinson coming back, and a trade back for future picks like we talked about, uh, and then you land Halliburton. Is this a title team? So talked about earlier about the Warriors essentially just picking up veteran pieces and being okay to win the championship. Like you don't have to go for broke. You don't have to go for, you know, like high variance type of players. I think this is kind of the scenario that I would that I would think is good enough to get them to like the Western Conference Finals, where you know Rudy Gay is going to be a starting wing. You know Tristan Thompson good enough as a starting center. Gr three plays enough minutes as a playoff team, maybe like the eighth man kind of. And then Halliburton's like probably someone that can play f- in the regular season, 
20 minutes as a backup point guard in the postseason, maybe less. But I think that's just kind of the team that they're not going to make mistakes. Like there's going to be no boneheaded plays. Um, so I think this is the perfect scenario. I didn't, I didn't read this earlier, but this is the perfect scenario if you're a Warriors fan. In terms of a veteran team, it's going to be boring as hell, though. It's going to be boring as hell. Steve Kerr's probably going to love it. But I think they probably win low 50s, maybe maybe mid 50s. And I think they have a shot to win a title with that. Enough solid players. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even consider Tristan Thompson. But now, now I'm all in on that because that's – I don't even know how we have players here that we haven't considered in this, in this period of time. But um, – I'm with you there. I'm wondering if they have enough defense on the perimeter because I still don't know if Rudy Gay is able to guard. Probably not guard the perimeter. I I feel like he's a I feel like he's small forward at this point, honestly. So or or power forward, maybe like yeah. There we go. That's that's a better way to put it. Like maybe Harry B. Like Harry B. Could never guard the perimeter. Not really. Like he was just too slow. It's like Rudy Gay would probably be like a crappier version of that. Better, better mid-range day though. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, might be a worse, like probably a worse version. But you know, you you'll just you'll just switch off Clay and Wiggins and hope. I think that's your best bet. But I, I, I think there's enough. Like it's better than I. I would enjoy watching that more than. I keep saying out Kelly Oubre, but like I get frustrated even watching Aaron Gordon. Not that that's like a realistic option, but like I just get frustrated watching those type. Like watching Andrew Wiggins frustrates me. And I, I think there's enough to where if Gun- it's Steph Clay and Draymond, yeah. Just I was gonna say gun to your head. Hey, Aaron Gordon or Kelly Oubre. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like you uh, choose. <laughs> pro- pro- probably Aaron Gordon. Just he, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> probably Aaron Gordon, just because he's maybe we can shoot though. But oh god. We'll put that on the premium. 30 minutes of Aaron Gordon versus Kelly Oubre. I think we already did that on premium. <laughs> All right, we got um, here's one uh, from uh, M. Lewis three four six. Would you all rather trade the number two? Would you all rather trade the number two pick for OG Ananobi? It's because I tweet Ananobi so much during the during the playoffs. How old is Ananobi? I think he's like not. He's like even less. He's definitely not more than twenty five. I'm guessing twenty three. Third year I'm in not- the league. I'm about to look it up. OG. There's not a lot of guys named OG. Um, he is 23. Wow. Wow. That was a random guess on my part, but yes. He, well, remember when we talked about guys like you, if you're going to trade the pick, trade it for someone that teams don't want. First of all, Toronto, no, Toronto does it. They do like LaMelo though. Um, Trade it for someone that's <laughs> that's younger, right? That's like not maybe faring so well with the team that under under twenty five. Yeah. yeah, not so that and so and they're not a rookie because like so you don't have to wait for Ananobi to get to Ananobi. Like he's getting there already. Whereas if you get Vassell, you have to wait for him to become Devin Vassell. Would I do it? I uh, yes, yes, Sam, I would. Yes. Okay. Um, would you? Yes. Does Toronto? No. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was going to say, I don't see a reason why they would. It wouldn't make sense. All right. Question for the pod. Is it possible to trade from two to four with the Bulls giving us Chris Dunn and then we get Devin Vassell? Um, no, on the Chris Dunn, because he's a free agent. But I do think that, like, like, okay, let me ask you this. 
Do you think the Warriors are going to stay at number two? No, no chance, right? Like, we don't think that's that's happening. I don't think it's happening. I think they'd rather tra- – like, a couple of things where it's like, just why – what's the point? Like, too many people like LaMelo, which I find shocking. Just shocking. But then when you hear, like, I just, like Toronto, feel, I, I feel like it's a smoke screen, right? And by, like, like, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I got to look up who LaMelo's agent is because it feels like that man's doing work. That person, that person, I don't know. It's got like four or five teams that, that would like, that would, or maybe the Warriors are just throwing that out there, but it seems like teams like it. And also, the, I think it's an undercover thing that I'm trying to, like, we're trying to push in on is they'll pay more money if they use a second draft pick. They'll pay more right. money for something that I don't think they even like. Like, even if it's Anthony Edwards. Well, I'd like to think that's not the driving point. I feel like this is a, okay. It's not like they're trading out of drafting like Zion, you know? So the the move is like, can you um can you get something extra just so you trade back to get the player you wanted all along, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. the that's a move because like I, I don't know that they love Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, or Lamella Ball. No. Um and, and all of this assumes Lamella's even there at the number two, right? But also assumes like also assumes Minnesota hasn't traded that pick. Minnesota hasn't that. made the trade that w- the Warriors want. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like like all right. So let let's say that you know the Knicks want to make sure that they get mellow, and Minnesota likes the mellow. But Minnesota's trying to trade the pick, so why wouldn't they just trade with Minnesota, right? So it's like uh, you know, and, and then and then it messes all up when Minnesota just takes the mellow because I could see that happening too. They like them, but then you know it's all it could be all lies. You know who who knows, but um. But I think most likely what will happen is they'll trade back. They'll trade back and get like Patrick Williams. I think that's it's probably what's going to happen. Not yeah, him, I mean, but like someone like that. Sure. I mean, like you want Devin Vassell. Why are you taking him at number two? You might as well get like an extra pick out of the Knicks to get Devin Vassell. <laughs> and uh, shed Wiggins' salary, maybe. You know, maybe <laughs> I don't know. I was, okay, let me ask you this. If If I tell you right now, you're not going to get Giannis or any, you know, established name. Do you want to see Wiggins on the team next year? Or would you rather trade him for pieces and have this like, like how excited are you to see what Wiggins can look like on the Warriors? Yeah. Give me Wiggins. Give me Wiggins. If that's the case. Yeah. Give me Wiggins. I can't do pieces. I can't because the pieces aren't going to be good. Like uh, Wiggins has no trade value, so he's not going to give anything back. So I think contextually that doesn't matter. G- give just let's just see what Wiggins can do. You know what I mean? And get Tristan Thompson and Rudy Gay. <laughs> I've talked myself on this podcast into Rudy Gay and Tristan Thompson, but but yeah, give me give me that guy. It, Andrew Wiggins' job is not going to be hard. Let's just be like for thirty million dollars as a professional basketball player, job's not that hard. It's not like the Warriors ha- are pressured to win a title. Like I don't think people are going and saying like their favorites and that they have to win. Like, I don't think that's the case. Like, I think if the Warriors get to the Western Conference Finals next season, people are happy. Forever Warrior Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, so. (laughs) He might. All right, we'll leave it here. We'll be back next week. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.